Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that as you listen, you will be encouraged in your journey and that your relationship with Father God will be strengthened and deepened. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Hey, good, good morning everyone, or afternoon or evening, depends on if you're tuning in now or or later, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was so powerful to be able to worship God, a God of miracles, and, and that's what we're pressing into right now, right, as we see where our land, land is at, I think that's, that's so huge. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to uh, begin a new series this, uh, this summer. It's not summer yet, but it is, right? The, the weather and temperature tells us uh, and this week anyways, it's summer. So uh, this summer, we're going to be uh, exploring the Psalms and, and preaching on, on the Psalms, mainly Psalm 1 to, 1 to 50. So today I'm going to be reading uh, out of Psalm 57, which is not Psalms 1 to 50, but it was, it was kind of cool how it happened. I was preparing my sermon, and, and I just felt this Psalm kind of come, come to my heart. I was like, I think I want to do a Psalm, and I'm going to pick this Psalm, and and then Claude comes up to me and, and says, you know what, I think, think we should preach on the Psalms in the summer. By the way, what are, what are you preaching this weekend? And I said, on the Psalms, cool. So I guess I heard God right, I just didn't hear within the, the chapter mark. Um, so that, that's always cool when that happens. I think God, God is you know, saying something to us through the Psalm, and yeah, it's great. Um, I'm really excited for this series, I'm really excited for the summer because because the Psalms, um, they, they connect with us on, on a deep level, on an emotional level. And when we look at the Psalms, this is really the point of the Psalms. We can take uh, theology from Psalms, and you, you see some beautiful Psalms that are alluding to Jesus and his work on the cross. There's a lot of things like that that we can take from the Psalms, things we can learn uh, mentally from the Psalms, but, but primarily the Psalms, I think, are meant to move us and connect with us on this emotional level, because they are, it's a song that David wrote, Right, and as David wrote these psalms, and, and, and now we get to read them, it's just amazing how we really get to peek into how he's feeling. Right, he doesn't hold back. Uh, he, he doesn't, uh, if he's in a bad mood sometimes, you can almost see that in the psalm. Or if he's anxious, you can see that in the psalm. If he's joyful, you see it in the psalm. Uh, you really see his humanity. And sometimes I think, uh, as we read our Bible, it, there, there can almost be a disconnect uh, with, with David. You know, he's a hero of the faith. Of course, he was always a man filled with courage and, and all of these things. But David was human, right? He felt human emotions just like we feel. And so uh, I think it's going to be really amazing to, to learn from him and the Psalms that, that he wrote. Uh, and I encourage you as well, as we go through this series I encourage you that we wouldn't just hear a psalm every weekend, that you would also have a summer in the psalms in your own devotional life. That's, uh, it's something so amazing just to be in, in the psalms. That's actually what I try to do all the time as I read my, my Bible is that I'm, I, I like to be a bit in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and then I, I pop in a psalm and a proverb here and there. And it's just so great because there, there's really a psalm for every feeling. Right? If you're, if you're feeling anxious, there's a psalm for that. If you're feeling brokenhearted, there's a psalm for that. If you're feeling lonely, 
there's a psalm for that. If you're feeling like you want your enemies smited, there's a psalm for that. (laughs) Um, If you're feeling grateful, there's a psalm for that. If you're feeling pain, there's a psalm for that. If you're feeling regret, there's a psalm for that. If you're confident, there's a psalm for that. If you're awestruck with God, there's a psalm for that. For every feeling, almost, there's a psalm for that because there's so many of them and David went through so many things. So it's just really awesome. I encourage you, uh, let's, let's spend this summer in the Psalms on the weekends, but also with God uh, and with each other. I think we even have some Psalm devotional books. I, I was gonna remember to, to think about that, but, but we should probably start printing those out and if you stop by during office hours, then, then we, can, we can get those for you as well to help us to go through the Psalms. Great, so before I get into uh, Psalms 50, 57, let's, let's just pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here in this room, this auditorium, but you're also in the rooms and living rooms of everyone that's, that's watching, Lord God. And God, I just pray that uh, today's service uh, would not just be uh, a sermon that's watched online, but it would be experienced in our hearts, Lord God, and, and, and you would speak and you would move in us so God, I, I just pray that you would do just um, some powerful work in our hearts this morning, God. I thank you for each and every person that's watching, God. They are so beautifully and wonderfully made. They are so loved by you. They're so special. Um, and uh, we miss them so much seeing them. And so God, yeah, may, may you just bless everyone uh, that tunes in today. Amen. So Psalm 57 is, is a pretty significant psalm. Uh, because of, I, I think, they're all significant, but this psalm was written uh, in, in, a, in a wild, crazy uh, situation that David was going through. And I think that makes a psalm, uh, or a song, you know, sometimes artists will tell you the story behind a song, right? I always love that when you, when you see like, hey, actually, this is what I was going through through that time when I was writing that song. And it actually gives that song just kind of a, okay, okay, that's what, what, that's what was happening. It brings some significance to it. And David as well, even before the, the psalm, he writes that he was writing this from, from a cave. He was hiding from King Saul, who was wanting to kill him, and he's in this cave in, in hiding. And that's a vulnerable place, right? Imagine, like, just take a moment and try to imagine you're, you're in this cave, you're on the run, and, and, and the king wants to kill you. He has resources, he has an army that's way greater than yours, and he's after your head. Wow. Okay, so this is where that psalm is coming from. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to unpack some stuff from it. Psalm 57, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me. For I take refuge in you. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from the heavens and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit for my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. 
I will sing and make music. Awake my soul, awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love, reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaching to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. I think this, we, I think what we take from the psalm is very important because I, I really believe that our life, our, our life, and, and maybe the most important moments are probably when we're in situations like this, right? They're really make it or break it moments. They're, they're moments that can crush us. They're moments that, that where we can throw in the towel and give up, or they're moments where our faith can actually be tested, reveal, and grows, Right, and, and so as we're, we're reading what David kind of did out of, out of the psalm and we see his, his mind, uh, I, I think it's so important that we, we key into this because we're all gonna have a moment in a cave, right? We're all gonna have a moment where we're fearful, we're anxious, we're down, we're distressed, and, and what we do in that moment is paramount to the life and the legacy that we're going to live, right? And I think it was paramount to the legacy that David um, lived as well. So we're going to look at four things that David does and, and we see him doing from this psalm. The first thing that David did was he, he cried out to God. We see it in Psalms 2. I cry out to God most high who vindicates me. Why, why do we want to cry out to God? First of all, the beautiful thing is that God hears us and God cares. In, in Exodus 2, 23 to 24, it says, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of the slavery went up to God. So the Bible talks about doing things without complaining, but this doesn't mean that there's not a groaning and there's not a crying in our hearts that God wants to hear. When we're in a tough place, we're invited to groan and, and to cry out to God, and I think this is a really, really good thing. How many of you are internal processors and external processors? Internal processors in the building? External, anyone? I'm internal, often. I like to spin things in my brain and then, and then go from there. My wife is more external processor. But whether, you're, uh, whether you default to internal processing, external processing, we need to process with God, first of all, right? Whether that's internally or externally, you have to process what you're going through with God. And then I also encourage all of the internal processors and external processors to actually cry out to him, to actually verbally get in a place where you can say, God, this is where I'm at, I'm discouraged, I'm groaning, look at my situation, God. I think this is a healthy thing to do, and I've prescribed it. I've, I've actually said to people, you know, getting, it, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff inside that you're going through. It's so easy to bottle that stuff up, right? It's so easy just to let that stuff sit there without just really having a moment where we, we tell God how we're, how we're feeling. So I told them, I literally told uh, someone maybe last month, get in your car, Get in a place where no one's going to hear you and just cry out to God. Whatever comes out, comes out. But let your heart express itself to God. And I think this is really important. It maybe goes against our Mennonite ways, right? To just keep things calm, cool, and collected. But I think it's so healthy that we can just cry out to God. And God invites us to do that. And he hears us. So verse 24, God heard their groaning 
and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Isn't that beautiful? God hears us and he cares and he's like, oh, it's not like God actually forgot, right? God didn't forget, oh, I'm, oh, huh, I made a covenant with them. I totally forgot. I remembered that now. Now I'm going to save them. Uh, that's not how it works, but, but at the same time, what God does, does hear our groaning and, and I think he works. He works as we cry out to him. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. I think that's so beautiful, right? And, and it, it reads in Psalms 34 as well, God is close to the brokenhearted. So when we're broken and we're stuck in a cave and when we are going through hardship, we have to remember that we can cry out to God. I encourage you to cry out to God and God's gonna hear you and God's concerned with you and when your heart is breaking, God is close because he is a loving God. He's not just a God in heaven that says, ah, they'll get through it. They'll, they'll be all right. Toughen up, kid. Uh, no, he, he cares. He genuinely cares. He's a father to us, and he's a protector, and he wants to hear what we have to say to him. So let's process things with God, and I encourage, him, I encourage you to cry out to him. The other thing I think that is so amazing that when we cry out to God is it just creates a dependency on God right? It's so easy if we're in a tough situation to not cry out to God, but just um, man up, woman up, and say, well, I've got to just keep going forward, and I've got to be strong, and I've got to, to, to learn to just get through this by myself. And there's an aspect to that that's maybe okay, we persevere, but the cool thing is that, that the Bible never says you have to be strong. The Bible says be strong in the Lord, Right, And that's so cool that, that we get to come to God. We need to learn to be dependent on God. And that's kind of almost opposite of how we live our lives, right? We learn to be independent from our parents. We grow up and, and we're, we're dependent, dependent, very, very dependent in the beginning. And slowly we learn to become our own people and to not be dependent on them. And that's a great thing. That's what you want, right? But we have to learn to stay dependent on God. And, and, and just in everything we do, we have to learn dependency on who he is. And, and if we learn, if we, we start being independent from God, then we have to relearn to, to be dependent on him. Uh, I, I did uh, get, get COVID and, and I was uh, stuck in my room for a long time because thankfully uh, Valerie did not get COVID and so that meant that she kind of was my, my caretaker. She brought food to my door um, it was like a, like a five-star resort, except it sucked because I was sick. I wanted to sleep all the time, and I was stuck in my room, so it was nothing like a five-star resort. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of funny because after the two weeks had gone by, I Valerie kind of called me out and said, Brenton, like, you're not putting your dishes away anymore. Like, you're not doing anything. You're, you're, you're dependent on me. And Val was like, by the way, like, you, you're, you're, now, you're now able to take care of yourself. You know, you're healthy and you're good. And I was like, oh, wow, I learned almost to be dependent on, on the care. And thanks, Val. The care that she was providing for me. But now I had to learn. I had to learn my independence again. I, I think... With God and our relationship with God, because we're such an individualistic society that often depends on our own strength and our own talents, on our own abilities, we have to learn dependency on God, right? It's good to learn our own independencies from our parents and stuff like that, 
but we have to learn to be dependent on who he is, to come to him and cry out to him when, when we're in need, to be dependent on God. The second thing that David did in the psalm is he took refuge in God. Psalm 57 says, I take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. So here's the thing. Disaster is, is not good. We don't want disaster, but, but it's actually in this place where David is uh, between a rock and a hard place, between a rock and another rock. He learns and he gets to experience God being his refuge. Why? Because we need a refuge when we're in a storm. We need a refuge when, when we're in disaster. I remember uh, one time when I was young and we were, we were camping and there was a tornado warning. And so uh, there was a, an expected tornado somewhere in the region or possible tornado. And when you're camping, that's kind of a big deal, right? Because you're just in a camper. There's going to be winds. There's going to be possibly a tornado. And for me, this, is, this was like the most scary thing ever. Because tornadoes definitely are dangerous. But in my mind, like if any tornado touched down, like five miles within me, I would just be sucked right up and that's game over. So I am so scared. I'm so scared. But then someone went around the, the campsite and said, hey, we want you guys, just because there's a tornado warning and you're all in a camper, we want you guys to go to this refuge. And, and we were able to go to this, this place of refuge and this, this basement. And I was asking my parents, are we safe here? Like, is, is, can the tornado suck me up here? And they're like, no. And that was just such an amazing feeling to be in this, this place where I'm safe, this place where I'm covered, this, this place where um, I'm not going to be uh, in danger to the tornado anymore. And the beautiful thing is that God wants to be our safe place, right? And that doesn't mean that he necessarily removes us from danger, physical danger. It doesn't mean that he necessarily removes us from disaster. If you look at David you know, he took refuge in God. It didn't mean, okay, that he was sucked up into heaven and he wasn't in danger anymore. But the beautiful thing is that it means that we're under God's care. I think we're enveloped by God's peace in this place of refuge. It's a supernatural refuge. And God invites us to come to him. He wants, God wants to be your refuge. He actively wants this. In Matthew 23, Jesus is saying to Jerusalem how God wanted to be a mother hen. I want to be a mother hen. I want you to be my little chicks and I want to, I want to just cover you under my wings. That's what God wanted. He looked at everything that was happening uh, to Jerusalem, and he's like, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, come. Like, my, the refuge is open. I'm here. I want to protect you. I want to keep you. I, I, I want to be your refuge. And so we, we need to say yes to this, right? When disaster strikes, when trial strikes. And this is what David said yes to in his life when he was in the cave, he said, yes, for God to be his refuge. In Psalms 9, verse 9, David says again, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, right? It's, it's in these times when we're impressed, oppressed, when we're in times of trouble, we need a refuge. And the godly, the godly people in this situation, they run to God, right? They, they run to God. Proverbs 18, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress, that's, that is cool. The strong fortress is, is God. It's his name. Because he's powerful. He's mighty. And his name 
is a strong fortress. What's your strong fortress? It's God. It's his character. It's who he is. It's his name. That's so cool. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress, and the godly run to him and are safe. That's what the godly do. When the going gets tough, the godly run to God. They don't just get going. They, they run to him and say, God, I need you. I need to cling to you in this moment. I, I, I can't carry this on my own. I need you, God. And so that's what the godly do. And then it goes on to say, the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. So here we have godly people saying, God's my refuge. And then the rich say, hey, I, I have my own refuge. I can take care of myself. I have accumulated wealth and it's going to keep me safe. Right? And this is so often where the Bible has warnings against rich people is because when you have riches, it's, it's, it's a possibility anyway that you find security in them. Right? You find your security and your purpose in them instead of God. And God doesn't want that. God wants your security to be found in who he is. God, does, again, doesn't want you to be independent. He wants to, you to be dependent on him and find safety in him, um, not just to make your own safety. So we need to, if we're going to be godly people in times of trouble, we're going to be people that run to God and cling to him. And, and the beautiful thing is that we will be able to experience him as our refuge. Um, and, and COVID for many people this whole time, uh, with all the restrictions, it's, it's been a time of dismay for a lot of people. And we don't want to romanticize that, right? We see what's going on right now and it's like, man, I, I want all of this to be over and I'm really hoping that we're, we're turning a corner now because you look at the situation and it's not good. But also God wants to be with us in it, right? God wants us to experience, um, he wants us to run to him so that we can find refuge in who he is. And I was talking to someone just this week and he was talking about how this, everything has just changed his family and it's changed his faith and it's strengthened his faith because he's learned, I need God, right? He, he's learned through this all, man, I can't rely on my own things and, and my own life. I, I need the Lord. And so when disaster strikes, um, we need to run to God and make him our refuge. In 1 Samuel 35 to 6, it says, David was greatly distressed why was he distressed? Well, his enemies had just taken his family and his soldiers' families. So David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. So now, not only has his family been captured, now his own men are saying, let's just kill this guy. It's your fault. That's not a good situation. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? David found strength in the Lord. In that, in that moment, what are we going to do? In that moment of distress, what are you going to do? Where are you going to find your strength? Where are, are you going to be able to keep going? We need to run to God. We need to find strength in the Lord. And God's strength is unlimited. Right? God's peace is unlimited. His hope is unlimited. His love is unlimited. And so we need to learn to make him our refuge. The third thing we need to learn to do is we need to keep our heart steadfast. Verse 6 says, 
I was bowed down in distress. That word I is talking about David's soul. David's soul was bowed down in distress. What does that mean? It pretty much means I wanted to give up. I was defeated. I was bowed down. I, I, I was done. Fini. It's over. And sometimes we think maybe a, a hero of faith would never come to a place like this, right? Right? It's like, it's David. You, you never, you were always on top of the world, David. You were always, you were always ready to, to conquer. You were always ready to trust God. No, David had moments where he said, I wanted to just quit. I was bowed down in distress. I was overcome with emotion to the point of where I wanted to give in. But then what does he do? Verse 7, they dug a pit in my path, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. That talks about David was, was ready, his heart was ready, and his heart was focused. And so even, if he, even though he felt distressed, even though he wanted to give in, he said, no, 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 this is time for me to prepare. It's time for me to get ready. And that is so huge that we remain steadfast in trials, right? Because, because the emotion of that situation and the weight of that situation, the anxiety that we're starting to carry in that situation, if we don't remain steadfast, will crush us. Right? And it's in these very moments I think the enemy sees what we're going through, doesn't he? That's what it says. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. He's a jerk. And so he's going to get you when you're, when you're weak and when you're at your, your lowest moment. The enemy's like, oh, they're, they're breaking. I'm breaking him. Okay, this is when I, I'm going to attack. And this is where it's so, so important that we remain steadfast. We prepare our heart for battle. I think of it as, as when, when the puck drops, right? And the puck drops, and, and often at the end of the game, the hockey players will say they threw us off our game. We, 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 we were prepared, we made a game plan on paper, and we thought we had a good strategy, but, but the, the, the opposition came and we couldn't execute our game plan anymore. We were thrown off of it and we lost. Kind of like what's happening to the Winnipeg Jets right now, right? They're not game planning to lose. They're, not, they're game planning to win. Okay, this is our game plan, this is our game plan. But all of a sudden you throw opposition in there and it's a little bit harder, right? When you're in the heat of the battle, and someone's checking back at you, and someone's forechecking you from behind, and all of a sudden you're down 0-2, this is when it gets a little bit hard. What are we going to do? Are we going to remain steadfast? Or are we going to throw in the towel and say, well, we can't win. It's over. My soul is bowed down in distress. I think we're all going to have moments where because of the heat of the battle, we're going to want to give up, and our soul is going to bow down in distress. But, but it's in these moments, again, it's so paramount that, we, that we, we collect our thoughts and we say, no, 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 let's remain steadfast. Let's remember the game plan. Let's remember what's going on here. And, and, and let's continue with what God wants me to, to continue with, right? Let's not give up. Uh, I love in Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul's writing this from jail and he says, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. That's so cool. Remember. Remember what to think about. 
And, and just imagine you're in jail awaiting a, 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 your life sentence, whether you'll, you'll go on to do ministry or whether he's gonna die. And, and he says, guys, fix your thoughts on excellent things, things that are lovely. I think Paul, he was writing this to the Philippians, but I think he was also just writing it to himself as well, right? Because imagine you're in that moment and all of these emotions are just amplified and you're just worrying and you get in a cycle of, of worry, right? It can be so easy when we're in danger and we're, when we're in a vulnerable place that you just get stuck in a cycle of worry. That's normal almost, And so Paul, to break that cycle of worry, he said, okay, we have to fix our thoughts. We have to remain steadfast on what's true. And I think this is what what David did as he was in the cave. Another thing that David did as he was in the cave as well to remain steadfast is he remembered the plan of God for his life. And it's so huge. When we're in trouble, we need to remember the plan of God for our lives. Earlier in the, in, the, in, the, in the chapter, David says, I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. To vindicate means to bring to an end, to complete, to fulfill his purposes for me. Isn't that awesome? Even though this was maybe one of the darkest moments, David had some dark moments, right? But this was a moment where it would be hard to, to remember, wow, God, thank you that you you have this plan for me to be king and all of this stuff. It would be a time to start questioning that, right? It's like, God, what's going on? This is not what we had arranged. This is not what we were talking about. Like, God, what's happening? But even in the situation, David said, God, you're vindicating me. God, you're, you're writing my story. God, actually, it's not my story. It's your story, and you'll finish it. You'll fulfill it. You'll bring it to the end. I'll be faithful to you and you'll vindicate me, God. I think that's so amazing that at his worst, darkest moment, he said, God's writing my story. God's writing my story. And that's awesome. And in our hardest moments, we need to remember, man, I've got a God who's vindicating me. He's bringing me to an end. He wants me to accomplish it accomplish the purposes that he's given me. And so as long as I remain steadfast and faithful to him, I can always remember at my darkest moment, God's writing something. And God's writing a story and he's, he's, he's maybe doing this all for a specific purpose and a specific reason. And I just am so low and I'm stuck in this cave so I just don't see it. So God, I trust that you are vindicating me because you're the God who vindicates me. The last thing that David did as we close today is he exalted God and he worshiped him. It says in Psalms uh, verse eight, I love this, awake my soul, awake harp and lyre. So he's telling his instruments, hey, wake up. (laughs) That probably sounded terrible (laughs) because probably the, the mic picked up the guitar. I'm sorry. He's saying, wake, wake up. Wake up, guitar. I'm going to wake in the dawn. I'm going to praise you, Lord, among the nations. I'm going to sing among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. Why did did David have to wake up his soul and wake up his guitar? And that word wake up actually means to agitate. 
It's, it's pretty much exactly that picture of when you have a heavy sleeper and you're just like, wake up! David needed to do that because his soul probably didn't feel like worshiping God. His soul was like, oh, bother. Look at me. Look at my situation. I don't want to praise God. I just want to mope around. <laughs> and so he says, no, you're going to praise God. You're going to worship God because even in this situation, it's about his glory. Even though I'm in this situation, he's good and he's amazing and he's worthy of my praise. And, and sometimes I, I've heard it said that, that if you end up raising your hands and you're not really feeling like it, and you just end up raising your hands, you're being fake. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I think what you're doing is you're telling yourself, hey, hey hands, worship God. Worship God. There's some times when we're, when we're singing, and sometimes I just feel like kneeling, you know? You have a moment where you're like, everything is perfect, and you're just like, I need to kneel. And there's sometimes I feel like kneeling, and then there's also sometimes I don't feel like kneeling. It's humbling. Everyone's going to look at me. And so I don't want to kneel, and then I, I, I feel like God is telling me to kneel. And I feel like I should because I'm kneeling before my maker and my king. I want to be humble before him. But my pride is getting in the way, and I say, ah, I don't feel like kneeling. I, could, I can sing just as well standing up. And I could still worship standing up, right? But there's just something about in that moment, making myself kneel and just saying, no, body, you're going to worship God right now. You don't feel like it, but God is, is powerful and God is worthy, so you're going to kneel down and you're going to worship him, right? And I think that's why we do things like raising our hands. I've, some people ask, why do you raise your hands? It's just another way to praise God, right? Why do we sing to God? Because it's a way to praise God. Why do we kneel down? It's another way to praise God. Why do we raise our hands? We want to express ourselves to God. Why do we play an instrument? It's another way to praise God. So why not use all the instruments we've been given to praise God, right? And I think it's in these moments when I, I worship, I feel like worship is just real and it's raw and it's beautiful because it's no longer based on how I'm feeling, it's based on who he is. It's no longer based on, well, God, are you doing everything I want you to do in this moment so that I can feel good? It's based on what he's done for me already, how he saved me already. And that's true worship. That's true praise. When I can be in a cave, when I can be in the midst of lions, and we're forced to dwell around ravenous beasts, like it says in verse 4. Men whose teeth are like spears and arrows, whose tongues are like sharp swords. Look at the next words David says. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. Isn't that amazing? And I think this is so huge for David, even though he was in the midst of the cave, surrounded by walls, fearing for his life. He, he, he was bringing his situation to God. He was saying, God, I need your help. God, look what I'm going through right now. I'm in danger. But that didn't stop him from being caught up with God and who he was. 
and who he is in that moment. He goes on to talk about in that chapter, God, your faithful, your steadfast love. His situation didn't bring him to a place where he forgot about the character of God and who God is and that God was there for him and that God was his refuge. So he ends up saying, I'm gonna be steadfast. Wake up, soul, let's praise God. So this is what we need to do in times of trial when we're in the cave, right? Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.